Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink and smoke and bullshit about the life of historic outlaws and gangsters. I do the research, and I talk about it with my friends. So let me introduce you to my co-host today. First, I got with me, J-Bone. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Also with us today, DC. What up, doe? All right, welcome back to the podcast, fellas. DC, I gotta say that you are now batting a thousand on being the self-proclaimed dark beer drinker that has never been seen in public with a dark beer ever. Yes. Um, so I have an explanation, which I won't give, but I do have a delicious beer today. So I have Norm's Raggedy Ass IPA from Griffin Claw Brewery uh, in, I believe it is in Royal Oak, Michigan, but it's delicious. And I think out of Griffin Claw, that Raggedy Ass is kind of like their flagship beer, their right? Too, yeah. I do not know. I saw it, picked it up, and it's delicious. <laughs> well, I also, even though I'm talking shit, though, because I'm normally a dark beer guy, and today I went with an IPA, too. I, I went and got my growler filled, got confused looking at the 40 taps, and just said, <laughs> Bell's too hard in, because it's, it's my go-to, and ended up with IPA, so. Can't go wrong with a good IPA. And then, Jay, you went whiskey style today. Yeah, I need you to inform me a little bit on the uh, make of this. This is uh, John Rich. Yeah, the that country guy, the big and rich, right? Yeah, he the mustache one. This is his whiskey. Right. Not big. And no, and it is good. It's got a caramel, like nutty aftertaste. It's it's pretty good. It's uh called Redneck Rivera. No, Redneck Riviera. See, I can't even say the word. It's pretty good. You know, it's a it's a good in between whiskey. It's not. Yeah, it's not a a, a bourbon. It's not a, a chest burner, but it's got a good smooth. You know, it's, robust taste. It's in like a Crown Royal price range. Price range. Yeah, and it's know, got so the. It's, like a, it's comparable to Crown, minus the, a little bit of the bite. But yeah, it's good. And you always have to give a shout out to the Ice Cube. Well, when your Ice Cube is a Death Star, <laughs> yes you do. <laughs> yes you do. So, so for the listeners, besides the fact that none of us have like any type of education or attainment that would ever qualify us in any way as a historian or qualify us to be it on a history podcast, plus we're drinking. <laughs> I'm if, learned real good, boy. <laughs> so if you're wondering, was, did he say the wrong date? Was that the wrong guy? Probably. I got to thank uh, Sixfo Sueno for the intro music. Go to his YouTube channel and subscribe. He puts out a lot of content. And follow him on social media. While you follow him on social media, he goes Bad Guy Podcast Instagram and follow us on social media too. Oh, Bad Guy Podcast social media Instagram. The follow take, us now. The takeover. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have a new show, new episode coming out every Friday. Gives new meaning to TGIF. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll go ahead and get started. And today, the bad guy that we're covering is Crawford Goldsby. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. So Crawford Goldsby, a.k.a. Cherokee Bill, was born February 8th, 1876 at Fort Honcho, sorry, in Fort Concho at San Angelo, Texas. So the first thing, whenever I hear a name, for some reason, I like to guess what the person has done. Of course, because 
you know, I think sometimes people are born with the right names for the crime. So looking at that, but his AKA doesn't give me much Cherokee Bill, but I'm going to guess he probably was like a bank robber or something. That's going to be my guess. I'm saying horse thief. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in order to tell this story, we kind of got to jump back in the timeline. For one, it kind of sets the scenario for what the area was like at the time, but also because I thought it was a really interesting story, so I was going to shoehorn it in one way or the other. His father, George Goldsby, was born in Perry County, Alabama. He was half black and half white, and eventually ended up a servant in the Confederate Army. Now, while they were serving in Gettysburg, he fled to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where he enlisted in the 21st Pennsylvania Cavalry Regiment to fight for the Union as a white man under the name George Gooseby. <laughs> That's oh, how you do it. All right. <laughs> Listen, fight everywhere in the war. I, I want to be on the winning side. So who's, oh, they're winning? Uh, let me go over here. And I just want to say to my teammates and the fans at home, I'm not even upset that he did whiteface back then. <laughs> He fled to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That comes up a lot. They do a lot of fleeing in this story. So on top of the research, I also had to research synonyms for fleeing. I got different words I can go with. If at some point I go back to fleeing, it's either that I ran out of words or that the too hardy kicked in and I just can't keep up anymore. That works. After the Civil War is over, he goes back home to Alabama, but then people start hearing that he fought for the Union Army. So he starts hearing rumblings of like lynchings and hangings. Mm-hmm. So he bounces out to the local like Cherokee territories and hides out there until 1867 when he enlisted in the Union Army under his real name in the 10th Cavalry Division known as the Buffalo Soldiers. Wow. Okay. 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 So he went back and went under his real name. So, so did, did he flee back to Pennsylvania for this or... Where did he go? To, in Texas, because that's where Texas, the, the Buffalo okay. Soldiers were mostly stationed out west. Mm. What he did is he was in Alabama, so he kind of went through the native territories and hid there until he could get to like a recruiting station. He he now served for the Confederate Army and the Union Army as a, under alias and then in the Army under his real name. In the course of his five-year enlistment, he reached the rank of Sergeant Major, and he re-enlisted. He earned a rank as high as First Sergeant. Now, he also married a lady named Ellen Beck, who was also a former slave, and she was mixed black, white, and Cherokee, but she was listed as a Cherokee freedman. Him and Ellen Beck, they have four kids. For their oldest one was a daughter, Georgia, and then Crawford, and then Crawford had two younger brothers. Clarence and Luther. When Crawford was two, there was a lot of racial tensions in the area because in Fort Concho, Texas, you have all these soldiers stationed there, but then you have all these local cowboys. It all came to a head in 1878 when at a local saloon, the rumor says a local took a sergeant chevrons and ripped him off his sleeves. We don't know for sure if that happened, but for sure, the 10th Cav guys went back to their fort and grabbed a bunch of carbines <laughs> and came back to the saloon and had them a Texas shootout. <laughs> In the middle of the street. Good old Texas shootout. Reminds me of that. that Just mentioning that reminds me of the movie Tombstone, where they meet right there, just start shooting it out, and everybody's ducking, and people hiding behind wooden fences as if that's going to stop the bullet. And you think how short time ago, (laughs) it's over 100 years ago, but you think how short time ago, like 1878 was, like, Mm -hmm. in Texas, they have big shootouts like that in 1978, 1988, (laughs) 1998, 2008, like... Uh, that just hasn't changed much. <laughs> 
when it was all said and done, three locals got shot. One was dead and two were wounded and one, and one soldier died. So it sparked a major investigation. Now, the Texas Rangers show up after the investigation to arrange, uh, arrest George Goldsby for, they said he distributed the rifles to all the soldiers. While the officer on base was arguing with them about if they had jurisdiction come on like a federal base, George Goldsby went AWOL and cut and run to the native territories. He did not flee people. He did a cut <laughs> and run. <laughs> Repeat, boss. He did a cut and run. <laughs> well, yeah, he was smart. He got out of there. I would have did the same thing. Who knows if they would have ended up uh, turning you over or not. So get out or of there. Or they feel like, even today, so back then, sure, they feel like they are the real law and like, you're some black dudes that you got some dead white guys uniform mm-hmm. on. We don't give a shit about your rank, you know? That's true. Because that type of dis- respect that's even now like and that's it, it transcends race it's like a poor person in bloomfield hills or you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's a lot of places we all can go that like even where you are status wise that's why statuses suck because there's somewhere you're gonna go that it's like lock the fucking door <laughs> i'm counting the silverware like what motherfucker i'm here I'd like i'm here to hook up your cable like yeah <laughs> don't get any mud on anything either fat guy like well fuck you well i will say this once upon a time in a former life i was a cable man and uh it was a very fun I think we all were Bone chicka wow wow. Oh yeah. Well and you know you're kind of right to where Goldsby's reasoning in hindsight. Now he said he was in really good standing. You know, he was a good soldier. He'd been at it a long time. So his officer on base probably snuck him out of that base, installed for him. But even though he he knew that guy and those guys had his back, he didn't feel like the army as a whole. Right. At the end of the day, he wasn't confident that if they kicked up too much dust that the army would be able to protect him. So didn't have too much choice. I would agree. I would agree. But I mean, to cut and run. Yeah. His wife was kind of stuck there at Fort Concho, though, you know, and she's got four kids. Well, that sucks. What she ended up having to do was move back to Oklahoma near the Cherokee territories where she had grew up. Well, like, that's where her family live now. I don't know why, but she went and she took all her kids, but left Crawford behind with a lady named Amanda Foster, who was like a close friend of the family. Like mm-hmm. they all called her aunt. And he stayed with her until he was seven years old. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's strange because yeah. it's not like he was the youngest or the oldest. He was like the middle child, right? Yeah, or he second, was kind of the second middle. Second oldest? What I'm thinking like maybe is if the two younger brothers were little, little, you gotta, mm-hmm. gotta take them. And then the other one was a female. I mean, we are talking about a time at four years old. I mean, fuck. You might have time to, to get to, a job. You might have to go to work or something. <laughs> right. You know? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta send money back to mom. So I don't know. She didn't take Crawford, and he stayed with Amanda Foster till he was seven. And then when he went to school, since he was a Cherokee freed man, he couldn't go to regular schools. And the the tribal schools that they had to go to were Christian schools. Indoctrination. Yes. So he got shipped from uh, Christian school to Christian school in Kansas City and Pennsylvania until he was about twelve years old. He finally got to come back home to live with his mom. That's crazy. Like, you can only go to these schools and they have to be little Christian schools just to learn. Well, how else are them little savages going to turn themselves into good people if they didn't have us beating them with sticks? Right? You got to get out of here. Hey, none of that pagan bullshit. It's time to cut your hair, get them feathers off your head, boy. You ain't no peacock. It it seems strange, too, that back in those days, you would hear about stuff like that a lot where a kid would be here or left here and then they be with the family like years later that seems so strange if i was a kid seven years old and i didn't see my parents for seven years and then i go back i really don't know you um i want to go back to where i was yeah exactly (laughs) 
and, and yeah, we're talking about those formative years too. It's not like you're 20 and then you didn't exactly. see him for a while. Like Aunt Amanda was cool, but mom, you left me there. What the seven fuck? birthdays, seven Christmases make up for right now. <laughs> not burn this log cabin down. The first thing you have to do is at least punch one of your brothers in the face. Do you know how many years you missed of beating up your little brothers? <laughs> you got you got some catch up to do. Exactly. Punch him in the face as soon as you see him. <laughs> well, now at 14, too, coming off the base, he might be a soldier at 14. Like That's true. clean his fucking house up. <laughs> well, when he got home, he was 12. So he finds out his mama got remarried. She remarried a guy named William Lynch, who was in the 9th Cavalry. He was another Buffalo soldier. And they were stationed in Fort Gibson, Oklahoma. And she worked on base as, like, the laundry lady. Mm. So he gets back home, and him and his stepdad don't get along. And that's when he starts, he starts drinking, starts fighting. At 12? Yeah, 12 years old, pretty much, when he came home. He just, well, I mean, we talked about it earlier. At four, he might have had to get a job. Now he's 12 years old. Old West years, that's about 20 nowadays. Exactly. I mean, they sent him home from school, right? They're like, ah, you know what? You're all learned up. Go go You're as Christian as we can make you. (laughs) Get out of here. So by the age of 15, he ends up moving out. So he goes and moves in with his sister, Georgia, and her husband, Mosey Brown. But him and Mosey Brown got along even worse. So at 15 years old, he moves back to the Fort Gibson area and basically takes care of himself, doing odd jobs, side work here and there, and just kind of living on his own. Yeah, that's that's crazy. The funny thing about stuff like that is nowadays, if there's a 15-year-old out there drifting by themselves and it gets found out, parents might go to jail. Back in those days, like, oh, they'll be okay. He's a man. He has to learn. Yeah. Well, I mean, fuck, uh, what, Huckleberry Finn or whatever? I mean, that's like a classic American novel, right? Ain't that about some little runaway or the street urchin (laughs) just (laughs) living out on a fucking boat or whatever? Absolutely. Right, creepy down south. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's that's the American tale, right? It is. And what's fucked up is he stayed in the Fort Gibson area, and it's he was always pretty close with his family. So he loved his mom. He loved his sister. Well, his sister, George, is about 15, and she's married to 45-year-old Mosey Brown. And, <laughs> of course, him and him didn't get along. Like, goddamn. Yeah, different times. Yeah. Now, Same thing, like you said, well, nowadays when that 45 wants that little 15-year-old piece of coos, like, he's in prison. Like, yes, back then it was jail like, time. Well, I murdered her. <laughs> okay, that makes it all good, I guess. Well, and sometimes then at 15 years old, these girls, like, you know, you, you're 20. You're like, uh, you're an old spinster. Yeah. You know, they we don't know if we can get rid of you. <laughs> like, seriously. He was known, like, people referred to him. They said he was a quiet, hardworking boy. He was well-liked by everybody that knew him. He always spent time with his family. Like, it was always important to him. Like I said, he just kind of lived on his own. All that changed when he was 18 years old. So one day they had this big town dance. When he goes to the town dance, he sees this guy named Jake Lewis. Now, Jake Lewis was a 35-year-old man that had recently beat the shit out of one of Crawford's little brothers. Oh, wow. Which goes to what you are talking about earlier, you know? Right. You know, he's 35 years old, just beat up this little kid, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's cool. What are you going to do? Crawford runs into him, and they get into it, and Crawford pulls out his guns and, sh- and, and shoots him twice. Okay, so in between that time, what happened where this nice, hard-working young boy started carrying guns? It doesn't sound like he was in the underworld yet, so was it just the times? Did everybody kind of carry guns back then, or what kind of happened? 
I think, yeah, I mean, this is still the 1800s and we're talking about Oklahoma and a lot of cowboy times, you know, and they were on the verge of, well, here I have a picture. They spent a lot of time on the Cherokee territories. Mm -hmm. So this was very wild west. And honestly, at 18, he shot this guy. He's probably been carrying a gun since he went out on his own at 15. I mean, back then, like a revolver was kind of like a tool. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like your wallet. Yeah, pocket knife, a little bar of gold, and a revolver. It's like the toolkit. <laughs> and like if we're we're Midwest right now. That's Southwest. You travel mm-hmm. through Oklahoma and Texas today, like in 2020, 21, like there are still guns in the back of the pickup across the window. You know what I mean? They're still. Mm-hmm. So back then, of course, you need, it was a part of life. Today, it's part of life. Well, you, you watch some of these like old movies and you see like, oh, they hear a noise outside and the, the, <laughs> wim- the women folk go in the back and the 10-year-old boy gets a gun like i mean if it's you know very true very true even uh like facebook friends of mine all the people that are from texas that's one of the main things that they talk about but i tell you what they say they don't have a lot of break-ins in texas because you know because you know that they have yes dirty harry's (laughs) right on the other side of that window like (laughs) no b and e's Crawford assumes that Jake Lewis died. He makes tracks out to the Indian territories to, uh, you know, hide out for a little bit. Now, it turned out Jake Lewis didn't die, but he still was wanted for the shooting. So, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's weird because it is a crazy time. So sometimes, sometimes these guys have like murders and stuff justified, you know, like, oh, well, he said I was no good, dirty rat. And like, oh, well, OK, well, then you shot him. But yeah. then sometimes like you shoot a guy and they're like, oh, you want you're wanted for it. Like the Wild <laughs> West is so weird like that. Yeah, but you beat up my child brother. I think if uh, Jake Lewis would have passed on, I would have still been on uh, Goldsby's side right now at this point in the story. Like, Well, I mean, yeah, that's an old dude. Like, what are you going to do? You're not going to stick up for your little brother? Exactly. And... If you're 18, that guy's 35. I mean, that's that grown man strength. You might have to yank that piece. You know? Yeah. Win in Rome <laughs> or Bucksnort, Oklahoma. I mean, take your pick. Well, he had a he had a narrow uh, arrest attempt, and he ended up having to hide out in the Creek Territories, where he met the Cook brothers, Bill and Jim, who were both also mixed blood Cherokees. Oh yeah. Cook brothers were kind of just. General, uh, no good nicks, I guess you could call them. They're just, you know, typical criminals. They were, had set warrants, but it was a lot of petty stuff, larceny, stabbing, stuff like that. Like Little two-bit horse thieves, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Cook brothers. So for the people at home, we have a picture now of Mr. William Cook. And uh, he definitely looks like a guy that you didn't want to mess with. Got a very serious scowl on his face, and I'm pretty sure he has two revolvers. Looks like a pretty tough guy meets Panic at the Disco Dude, and like (laughs) you're just you're right there. Don't fuck like Bill said. Don't fuck with him. He he looks like a guy that you probably don't want your 18 year old kid hanging out with. Absolutely not. He's gonna learn some things. That's gonna uh, change his name to Cherokee Bill. They look like they're gonna go beat up some little kids. (laughs) That that's true. He does. The, they go hang out. So you got the the Cook brothers, Bill and Jim, Crawford Goldsby, and they were all they were all Cherokee freedmen. Well, in the summer of 1894, the American government bought a big piece of land from the Cherokees, and six million of that had to go into the tribal tre- treasury to distribute to all tribe members, which amounted to 265 dollars and seventy cents a piece. Mm, back which, then, that's it's in the seven grand area, so it's pretty chunk of change. Goldsby and both the Cook brothers decide they want to go. 
Guns and whiskey? They want to go cash in on their, <laughs> you know, on their land debt or whatever. Yes. You know, they're about to go get their money. They start headed towards a place. It's called Taliqua, Oklahoma, which is where the federal building is that they, they have to go to to get it. So they get partway there and they realize, well, we're all kind of wanted criminals. So we can't really just stroll up in this building and ask for the money. So they stop at like a hotel. It's like a hotel restaurant that a Cook family friend ran. It was a lady named Effie Crittenden. So they stay at the hotel for a while and they told her that she could just go and just pick up all the shares and bring them back. That sounds like a great plan. So um, just give them our name and trust me, they'll give you all of the money for all of us. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, just give them our name. Yeah. yeah. Pick, pick, pick up mine too. <laughs> right. Like, I don't, I don't see that there's any flaw in that system like I don't, how could that go wrong <laughs> matter of fact while you're there add a couple more names i'm pretty sure we can pick up some more money well uh, so that's the first thing that i thought like if she can just go pick up all three of ours well why stop there exactly Let, let's go pick them all up i need tantos geronimos <laughs> sitting bulls <laughs> effie goes and she goes to the federal building and she gives them the name for the three shares they want to pick up and they give them to her. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. So she, they gave them all three shares. I feel like right here then, because there's nothing to do those names off of, like I not computerized or digitized, but obviously back then. But if they're not looking, hey, this guy's wanted, I think the dudes could have went and picked up their own money. I'm not sure, but. That's true. It makes a good point. And it doesn't sound like they checked for anything. <laughs> back then you had, you know, papers air quotes people papers that kind of identified you obviously they didn't ask her for anything and to your point they didn't have computers where everything was connected so they didn't even know well, let's say where those the, guys the were old wanted. racist uh federal government like mm -hmm. when he walks in like oh yeah he's a scrubby like you know, half breed. Here's your money. Like you know, like there's not like. Oh, hold on, man. We got you on this list, man. He's one of the ten most wanted. Like get over. Like no, just give him his money. Get him out of here. Wipe the counter down after he leaves. They gave her shares, but they did realize who it was for. So as they gave her shares, they let uh, Sheriff Ellis Gord know, and he told them go ahead and give them to her. And then he followed her. Yeah. And he followed her back to her little bed and breakfast, where where they all stayed. He puts together a posse, and he comes back. With his uh, seven-man posse on July 18th, 1894, they get in another. Now, I mean, it's not as good as a Texas-style shootout, but they get in an Oklahoma-style shootout with uh, Goldsby, the Cook brothers, and the sheriff's seven-man posse. Now, this is my question: How do you get followed in the 1800s and not know everything that they possibly could have wrote on was noisy? <laughs> Well, and I feel like you could probably see as far as it could go. Like, I mean, you'd be yeah. like, yeah, you see that? No tall buildings. You don't see a, the dust cloud behind you? Is that seven guys on a horse three miles back? Mm -hmm. I mean, what the? How do you sneak up on them? Poor Effie's asking the stagecoach driver, are they filming young guns behind us? Because there's a posse on our tail. Like, so yeah, yeah, I run a bed and breakfast. I didn't sign up for this shit. Just because I know Bill Kick, I, I know Bill Cook's mom. Exactly. Now, now all of a sudden I have their illegal shares. Well, they, they shot two of the sheriff's guys. And in the shootout, Crawford ends up shooting a deputy sequoia houston so he shoots and kills his deputy two other guys get wounded and the other four run off but jim cook got hurt re hit real bad too they had to take jim cook and they kind of rushed him back to like the fort gibson area so they could try and lay low and see if a doctor or something could come see him right 
Now, this is when he got the nickname Cherokee Bill because they were going there to find Crawford Goldsby and they found him and he killed a deputy and they went to Effie and they're like, okay, so why was Crawford Goldsby here? And she was like, no, it was a guy named Cherokee Bill. It wasn't Crawford Goldsby. Ah. And these dummies made uh, wanted posters with a picture picture of Crawford Goldsby that said wanted Cherokee Bill. And then he just started... Kind of became his nickname, Cherokee Bill. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. Your entire nickname is only based on a lie. Yeah. Well, That's hilarious. Like, how dumb are you as a sheriff that you're like, well, no, it's Crawford Goldsby. Look, we got this picture of him, right? This is Absolutely. That's him. We he had the wrong name on his photo. <laughs> we we were here at the shootout. Like that's the guy I shot. I'm like, oh no, I'm that's, sure that's him. That's no, that's Cherokee Bill, dude. No, in a time before identity theft really took off, like this dude portrayed a white soldier before, then joined the black army, then joined. Now he's Cherokee Bill. Like, well, that was his dad. That was his dad, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. right on. Well, he comes from that lineage, so that is true. And if it's one thing that we've learned on this podcast, lineage means a lot oh, yeah. when it comes to crime. Yes, it it, it does definitely. Sit. Well, I mean, we've all seen. The town, right? I have not. <laughs> That's consistent. I, every time you're here, I ask you about some show that I know you never watched, and then I'm disappointed that you haven't seen it. But I, then I know he's seen this one. I, I got this. No, I didn't watch it. Yeah. But if you were to try and start watching movie, like I got like three new ones every time you show up because exactly. I just exactly re- recycle stuff from movies I've watched. Every I time. never leave the house if I started watching movies now. But yeah, a lot of this criminal shit is definitely a trade passed down to your kids. Yes. Well, and I think most of it is kind of uh, like the mental abuse that leads to you know mental issues that results to sociopaths becoming criminals. There's probably a lot of it, but you know. Let me pass you around to all these folks. Christian schools like <laughs> come out like I'm robbing something right now. I want to fuck hoes, drink whiskey, and rob something right now. It wouldn't be the first person to come out of Christian school awfully fired up like that. It's a uh, it's consistent. <laughs> Jim Cook ended up so fucked, he was too fucked up to move on. So they just had to leave him behind. And then he ended up getting arrested. And that would be that'll be Jim Cook's official exit yes, to the story. Yes. No, I think he just got arrested. I mean, we don't. No, well, let me him. take you to the uh, health care in the Oklahoma jail in 1894. He died there. Well, and you, you see, <laughs> we don't have a picture of the Cook brothers. We got a picture yes. of Bill Cook. So nobody gives a fuck yes. about Jim Cook. No. Right? He's a he's an afterthought in the story. He got captured. So we don't think about him anymore. They then started what was called the Cook Gang. So it was, they recycled a bunch of dudes between 12 to 25 guys at some point in and out of the gang. But it was kind of just Bill Cook and Goldsby. And they kind of... Pick up free agents when they need them. Yeah, basically. And the first robbery is July 18th when they robbed a Wells Fargo train in Red Fork, Oklahoma. Ha ha. That name. I knew it had to be a robbery. The, it is crazy people used to have to rob trains and they would ride up on them on their horses. Like it's a, it's a crazy concept of how to rob something, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, when you think about it back then, um, you know, banks as we know it wasn't really a thing. You know, you had these banks where you had notes in exchange for gold, but there were always people traveling with everything on them. So you figure the best, you're going to go wherever the money is. And the reality is most of the time, the money was on the stagecoach or the train. So the strong box is on the train or the stagecoach. And that's what you want. Yeah. That was the primary. You had to move it that way. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like land pirating is all it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
I still, to this day, get. I mean, this is 1890s, and I'm still getting bills from Wells Fargo, so yeah. <laughs> fuck them. Get, get them, Cherokee Bill. I don't really, I don't, I'm not really hurting they for Wells. They turned the train into the armored car, and like they're still moving that money around. Uh, again, in July 30th, they robbed a Lincoln County bank in Chandler, Oklahoma. Where they got away with five thousand dollars. That's about a fifteen thousand dollars equivalent now. But when they were leaving, they they got in a shootout on the way out, where Cherokee Bill ended up killing a, a cashier named J.B. Mitchell. Mm. Was it was J.B. trying to stop them, like engaging them in a fight, or it's really unclear? This is a okay. shootout. Well, you know, old timey shootouts. You just got a bunch of people in small space blasting off, you know, shitty barely bored ha- handguns. You know, so yeah. I don't know. Cherokee Bill could be a fucking prick that just shot that cashier. Could have been friendly fire that guy could have went cowboy and pulled a gun or just like the movies what happened was he was trying to shoot the cash register yeah. it was made out of metal and it ricocheted and then it hit the cashier he ran to try and help him but it was too well, late why i asked was jb trying to you know engage it because it's oklahoma texas it could be like very easily jb has a sawed off under here and pulls it like that's Bro, true it ain't your fucking money why are you gonna die for that fuck you i don't take think all the, this shit i don't think the fdic was a thing yet it wasn't insured right <laughs> JB was like, no, I'm on a line for this. You gotta take my home. If I don't shoot Cherokee Bill, Rex is coming to get his deposit and he's gonna fucking shoot me for letting him take it. Right. Well, Andy, yeah, he just might have been Oklahoma Cowboy, had him a gun there, was ready for a good gunfight. Like he'd been waiting all month for a chance to shoot at somebody. And thank God these half breeds walked in. Get over here, boy. Come here. Bam. Got shot himself. Like they decided to hide out for a couple months. So they laid low all through the rest of August, most of September. Cherokee Bill decides he wants to go visit his family. So he goes back and he's kind of visiting his family on the low. And he goes and sees his sister, Georgia, because they're always real close. He still doesn't get along with Mosey Brown. Oh, Mosey Brown, always kicking up dust. The details, I don't know. But Cherokee Bill killed his brother-in-law, Mosey Brown, over argument that they got into over hogs. Wow. I don't know what specifically about the hogs. But I like pickled pig feet, too. <laughs> Boom! Take that, Mosey, you fucking old drunk. Yeah, so if you're Mosey Brown, you know, you probably have heard about the reputation of this young man. You know, if he wants a hog, he's probably leaving out of town in a little bit anyway. Just, just let the man have a hog. It's not <laughs> worth it. Right. Well, I think it's one of those things. We all know people, like in our family, these older dudes, that just, just because they still see you as that young guy, mm-hmm. forget. Like, I feel like Mosey Brown just still seen him at this... As this little, you know, little punk kid that he threw out of his house once and thought, no, oh, you didn't tell me shit. He didn't know this is this is fucking Cherokee Bill the man killer and shit. You <laughs> right. know, he just be shooting it out in the street and shit. I slapped you and kicked you in the ass down the stairs once before I do it again. Once Cherokee Bill realizes he can't even have a nice little family vacation without popping an in-law, he just it's time to get back on the road. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's horse riding solo. That is that is the fourth one for fleeing. I am keeping count. <laughs> All right. So, uh, ramblers, let's get rambling. You know. All right. So what we're gonna do we're gonna take a break right now. We're gonna have a quick smoke break and refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. Yeah, my words are 
Thanks for listening. Just real quick, want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review, and we'll read it on the show. If you have any questions, comments, or a guy that you would recommend we cover, you can email us at sayhellotothebadguypodcast at gmail.com. We also want to thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can subscribe to him on YouTube and also a friend of the show, Cancer. He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. All right, and we're back. Now, when we left off, Cherokee Bill decided to go full-time criminal and can't even hang out with his family without shooting Mosey Brown. Headed back on the road. On September 14th, they robbed a Parkinson's company store in Okmulgee, Oklahoma, and they got 600 bucks off it, which was even more than they got off the bank. And what they kind of realized is it was real easy and went off smooth because it was a company store. So they started realizing, you know, these banks and these trains and the stuff that they're robbing, it's a lot of security and it's a lot of heavy lifting when a lot of this money, like we were talking about earlier, you know, you have to transport it from spot to spot. Mm-hmm. So there's just easier places to grab it in the system. So they realized, well, there's all these company stores and general stores. And then same thing with instead of robbing the trains, the trains drop the shit off. You could just rob that spot. So they kind of realized, well, we've been robbing the hardest way possible. So they put together a new game plan. October was kind of like their their biggest month ever. What they started robbing was these railroad depots or Ah. railroad agents, which that's where all this money was kept. So these depots were when the big trains would come off and they'd drop off the stuff like in between trains to be switched and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And the service agent would sit there and he'd collect the money and the tickets as he went. And they were like sitting ducks. They started robbing them on the regular. October 9th, they robbed an express office depot in Chateau, Oklahoma. On October 11th, okay, so all these, before I'm not going to sit here and lift, list them all off one by one, but these robberies are in Chateau, Oklahoma, Claremore, Oklahoma, Coretta, Watova. And if you look on a map, they're just like bouncing around from spot to spot and no one could catch up with them. And it was every couple days, every couple weeks, they just pop up in a spot, bam, 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 hit a couple robberies and not then bounce out to another place. I tell you what sounds uh, uh, really easy slash thought out about this in particular if they stuck with these facilities by the train is because um you can just go to another area and then when you run into another set of train tracks just follow the train tracks at some point you'll get to the depot and as long as the train isn't there it's probably very light security Mm -hmm. and you just go to the next one they kind of did something similar where on october 11th they went from the missouri pacific railroad depot and then later that same day hit a kd railroad agent Mm -hmm. basically that they just followed the track all the way down on the Mm -hmm. same day they hit one in the morning followed track all the way down hit the other one at night (sighs) just one after another Sounds like a sales run. Yeah, you hit this one on this side of town, keep going, and hit the next one. <laughs> uh, they hit a train robbery October 20th. I mean, I guess sometimes you got to go back to the basics. Mm. Got to keep the skills sharp. Yeah. It was along the way. And then on October 22nd, they did another twofer, but they robbed a post office, and then later they robbed a Donaldson company store. Cleaning house, cleaning house. Especially those company stores, you figure back in those days, that may have been the only store in town. You know, you figure town was like, small area then you have these big gaps where you know it's nothing and then you get to the next town so the company stores are like you mentioned the general stores and stuff it may have only been one in a town so to your point you know a lot of revenue is coming through there 
And until they, however they were transporting their money, until they have somebody transporting out for a drop off, all that money's just sitting there with no security. Yeah, I mean, where are you going to put it? In the depot until the train comes? <laughs> yeah. I mean, or put it on the train. They rob the trains too. Like there's no, no safe place. Can't even take a train. They'll rob that money. <laughs> on November 8th, they robbed, it was called the Sheffield and Son General Store. And when they were robbing it, Goldsby shot a guy named Ernest Melton, who it turned out was just walking into the store. Goldsby was just robbing sloppy. I think he got too easy. Like, you know what I mean? Just mm -hmm. picking on these easier targets. I mean, clearly he's been doing a lot of robbing. To mm -hmm. be slipping to a point where just some random stranger can just stroll up into the store. That's... Super trigger happy. <laughs> bam, bam. Yeah, I hate those. Uh, you know, when, when people take on the life of the underworld you know it has its own rules you know or you know the the person that's paid to protect something there's a certain rule for that but just the general guy kind of walking in and get something hate to hear that hopefully he lived i know you said he shot him but hopefully he lived well he don't he died uh, <laughs> so uh scratch that one from the record <laughs> so killed, killed that guy sure. sorry i'm sorry to disappoint you like i, I wanted to i had faith but i wanted to it's change the story now. so fuck you and your feelings dc <laughs> Killing everybody. <laughs> so before that, they kind of were going smooth because their whole gang, they were either, most of them were either black dudes or like Cherokee freedmen. Mm -hmm. And they could just kind of go through these Indian territories and they didn't care. You know what I mean? They welcomed them through. Nobody, you know, everything was cool. But then once they started shooting Innocence. regular people, they're like, well, now they're less... Nobody wants to hide that, you know, like that's harder to get behind. Absolutely. Well, once again, too, Texas, Oklahoma, like, hey, bro, you know what's going to come through? The Texas Rangers exactly. going to roll through here and just kill because exactly. of you three. So, no. Well, and, and Ernest Melton, we don't know. He might have been like a, a big guy locally. You know, everybody like Big true. E, you know, <laughs> little Ernie from down the street. Now you shot him in a fucking general store. Not Ernie with the saloon. Yeah, that, that yeah, Ernie. That Ernie. Oh. You know, he run the pool that league nabbit. on Thursdays. Yeah, that Ernie. Shit. That it. They really had to start laying low after that one. And like they had accelerated rewards. So they had like up to $2,000 on their head and stuff like that. And a lot of their gang just slowly got either arrested or shot off. A lot of their gang got killed off and picked off like through their streak. That's how I said earlier, there's like 12 to 25 guys. Mm -hmm. Cause it was kind of like the main dudes and then a rotating cast as people were getting shot up. I didn't want to throw in too many of on this robbery. These two guys got shot because it's, then you really bog it down with names and it's a bunch of Bill Cooks and Cherokee Bills and Dusty Daves and you know so like man. I, right. We lost Engine Joe in the Great Fucking <laughs> Depot robbery. Yeah, it was just just a bunch of crazy cowboy motherfuckers just shooting each other and running around. Well, it sounds like at least at this point things are going good for the founders. They're still alive, so you know everybody else is expendable. You know sometimes you gotta uh, break a couple eggs to get an omelet. Pawns, if you will. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't. It was the Cook Gang. It wasn't the random cowboy gang. Sacrifice a little bishop. Now the last robbery that he ever committed, he was with a guy named Jim French. Who Jim French was kind of in Young Guns Two. If you see the guy in Young Guns Two, the the farmer guy that didn't want to get into any fights or anything like that. I do remember. I actually saw that movie. There you go. There we go. See if Good I say call. if I say enough movies, eventually you've seen one. Well, he so Jim French was based on that character from Young Guns mm. Two. Uh, their last robbery was. Just December 23rd, they robbed a station agent for 190 bucks. At some point, mm. went to turn to do his go-to, you know, which is kind of feel like he went backwards because he went from trains and banks to that's.
that's like a stick up kid. Right. You, you know what I mean? Just robbing guys in, in train booths and shit. Maybe yeah. the, the heat was just so hot on them. You know, they figure, hey, I got to go with whatever is quickest and easiest. Even if it means less money, I just have to uh, lay low and go so- with something and, quick and easy. And the less money, I like totally agree with Locke that like it was a step back mm-hmm. because in status wise in the criminal world back then you were a train robber or a two bit. Mm-hmm. But like the two bit, like to get 190 bucks, it don't sound like much. But of that time, because right now in 2020, mm-hmm. if I you know, you just robbed me for 200 bucks. It's not a great payday, but it's mm-hmm. a good for one day. Mm-hmm. Well, a buck 90 in that day, that's still like, you know, almost a thousand bucks ish. You get you like transit. a horse and a plot of land or some shit for like fucking. A, <laughs> yeah, kind still of have enough for a bottle of whiskey, a whore, fucking a rifle. Like, <laughs> uh, oh, 190 bucks goes a long way and. Can't get any whores anymore. Uh, Big E got he yeah. got the whores. See, he, that's he why forgot. Ernie was the parent. We <laughs> that's why we got to catch this fucking Cherokee Bell, man. He was cool. Well, and that's the same thing. Like he starts off, you know, you shoot a guy in a shootout. Yeah, it happens. You're in a shootout. You know, happens. why'd you come to a shootout? You might get shot. You know, or a guy that beat up your brother. All right, I'm still with you. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, a guy a cashier in a shootout's a little iffy, but now yeah. you're just shooting fucking Ernest Melton for no fucking reason. You like That's that rude. grizzly bear that got a taste of man blood? Like, now you just hunt? Like, <laughs> yep. I'm a killer. I, well, I think Mosey Brown was the one. Once he killed his brother-in-law, he was like, fuck, I'd kill any of these guys. I just ruined Thanksgiving forever. I'm not coming home anymore, <laughs> so. That's very true. Yeah, that's a conversation you don't want to have. Hey, sister, love you. So, um. Scrape Mosey up. His ass is blown away in the kitchen. Hey, I told him not to touch my fucking hawk. Crawford Goldsby, he had it. He loved the ladies. The ladies loved him. Like, he, he was a big ladies man. And he was known to have, like chicks in all his different spots whatever they would ramble you know he had a new lady in town now there was a guy named ike rogers who was a former deputy who kind of ran like a little bed and breakfast spot that he knew cherokee bill would come through to hook up with his niece and shit so they got this big reward out for him and he calls up his homie clint scales so when he knows that cherokee bill is going to be there he has clint scales come in and like check in as another guest at his bed and breakfast so the guy's hanging out and the whole time cherokee bill's kind of scoping him out and like his guards up he's really wanted like i said he even ate dinner with his rifle on the table like he just didn't trust this clint scales guy and he finally let his guard down to roll a cigarette so he stopped. Mm-hmm. He was on guard the whole time. Then he took his attention off the roll of cigarette, and then Ike Rogers cracked him in the back of the head with a gun. Wow. He dropped him, but he didn't knock him out. And then him and Clint Scales tried to jump him, and they said they wrestled him for 20 minutes before they could get him handcuffed to get him into the wagon. Who is this guy, Frankie Edgar? Who wrestles for 20, <laughs> 20 minutes, minutes after know? getting hit in the head with a gun? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> clearly he didn't want to get taken. <laughs> and, and two guys. Wrestling two fucking dudes? That's like mm. some... Yeah, that is some Khabib shit. Absolutely. I think he was from Dagestan. Now, they were determined on keeping them and turning them in themselves because they were doing it just for the reward. Because it seemed like the Ike Rogers, it's all kind of iffy. And I only can do... I can only cram so much into this. He's got almost an own story on his own. And it seemed like his family and the Goldsby might have been... Rivals? Well, no, like acquaintances. Like, so... Uh, like, it was kind of a real big set up i mean he, he clearly he was nervous that the clint scales guy he didn't know he was fine being in the place with this dude and his girlfriend yeah right so it seemed like they might have been kind of close and it might have been kind of a big setup like some people's like i read a thing now i try and check multiple sources so most of the shit i'm saying is stuff that you can check out a couple different spots and it checks out now a lot of this shit is like just legend telling but that's my favorite kind yeah yes. of, of storytelling so fuck it um 
a lot of people say that uh, Crawford Goldsby might have always been cool with like Rogers and used to throw him money and shit. Like I, like Rogers was kind of a fuck up and shit. And you know what? Mm. It, he was just kind of you know throw him some money. And it hang all out makes sense because Ike said he's gonna come here to be with my niece. So that was already a thing going on. And he was a fuck up because him and fucking Johnny Scales fucking <laughs> me and me and DC me and. <laughs> It, you, me, and anybody wrestle somebody for 20 minutes. <laughs> me wrestling, so I'm probably taking them down. But if I got one homie, even my most pussified homie, like, yeah, we're it's not going 20 minutes. And Well, first of all, I can't wrestle for 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I got. I mean, I, I can go fucking That's fairly hard for about like 37 seconds. That's kind of cementing that. my point. Yeah. If I get my big ass on somebody and just need you to come, to, and like we, this fish is still getting away from us, like, yeah. hey. I feel I feel like Cherokee Bill would have got away. I'd be like, damn, we cracked him in the head, though, huh? Well, plus you have maybe to we're too drunk to be arresting people. <laughs> he hit him in the head with a gun, mm. and now it's two of you all. The gun is still there somewhere. Obviously, you didn't want to shoot him, and nobody else was eating at this goddamn restaurant. Like, okay, when I see like we're all homies in this inn, when I see you wrestling homeboy for like a half hour, like, hey, let's us three put our beers down and jump on this criminal no see they didn't have tv back then right. they start doing this oh <laughs> no the, they might have tried to help the night turner was like no we're t we want the money all to ourselves you get out get off of our arrest <laughs> well it, it really was he he wanted all that money so they transported themselves them himself so at one point they transported him in a wagon he broke off a piece of the wagon that he was handcuffed to and tried to run again and then they had to catch him and retie him into the wagon. Re-wrestle him for 20 <laughs> yeah, minutes. Yeah, re-wrestle him while he's already handcuffed. <laughs> like, he, he's handcuffed and he's still getting away. He's still Get your shit your together, guys. Ass. You two crackheads quit trying to arrest people. Like. <laughs> That's why you're an ex-deputy. Because yes. you are not good at this. But they eventually get him in. And he was sent to Fort, Arkansas, uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas to await trial. On April 13th, 1895, he was sentenced to death for the murder of Ernest Melton. Wow. Damn. They were not playing. He killed, like, bigger fish in shootouts, I feel like. he. Ernest Melton was... See, that came back to haunt him, Lee. He was the one. That guy just strolled up in that store. Oh, Big Earn. Like, big Earn. I told you, it, it's, you got to think about it. Probably the people that were of the jury, the judge, all of them, Ernest had the ladies. He stopped the whole role. If all of a sudden I can't get my ladies... Somebody has to go down for this. Yeah, we're way out here in fucking Bucksnort, Oklahoma. We have hot and cold running pussy. And you're going to fucking kill Ernie? He's coming in to get some flour and some ammo, and you're just going to shoot Ernie? Exactly. Come on, man. Now, so while Goldsby was in prison, he uh, ended up making friends with a trustee named Sherman Van. One day, they were searching a common area a common area in the prison, and they found a revolver hidden. And they interrogated everybody, and they couldn't come up with anything. But they're like, yeah, I don't know. You guys are up to something. We found your gun, motherfucker. What they didn't know was that Goldsby had Sherman sneaking two guns. Uh -huh. So he still had a gun in his cell. On July 26, 1895, when his guards came at the end of the night to lock up his cell... He snatched him up and threw him in a cell. He killed um, a prison guard named Lawrence Keating. And then problem was he started running low on bullets and he ended up getting pinned down back in a cell. So they couldn't get in, but he couldn't get out of a cell. And it turned out what the plan was, 
he had both guns stashed stashed because he knew he wouldn't have enough time to reload. So he wanted one in a cell to shoot his way out of a cell ah. so that he could get to like a video game, you know, exactly. and then you can get to your second gun and then shoot yeah. your way out from there. Mm. So once he was out and shot his way out of a cell, he was running low on bullets. So they had a standoff and eventually another prisoner said that he'd go talk to him and bring him back and he was able to come back with Cherokee Bill's gun and he did the rest of his time on death row basically who was wow. that prisoner i love that yeah like who is he like how going there no problem hey um i know you got only two bullet two bullets right um how about you give me the gun i'm gonna walk it out to them and we'll just serve this thing together we're in this together i would love to hear that conversation but it, it might be something like look bro we're both on fucking death row <laughs> <laughs> fucking wild ass hillbillies are gonna kill us either way. Like you sit out your time and die on death row, or I came to get the gun from you. We're both gonna they're gonna shoot us both tonight. Let's walk out and fucking hey, maybe we can plan another escape. We got buy ourselves a month, you know. Or he promised him a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, you're on death row. You do a lot for not very fucking much. Like uh, a grilled cheese sandwich, I could use one. Remember that hog that you you killed your brother-in-law over? I'll get you all the pork you want. Just give over the gun. Well, I always, I always reference uh, The Wire where Weebay was already going to prison for life. So he started confessing, started trading murder confessions for sandwiches. Hey, got to do what you got to do. Eating good in that neighborhood. <laughs> so on March 17th, 1896, uh, his mom was allowed to come visit him. His mom and Amanda Foster, they made him breakfast at the hotel across the street and brought it to him in prison. He got to have a smoke and then he got to see a priest. And then he was scheduled to hang at 11 o'clock. But his sister, Georgia, her train didn't get until one. So they held off his execution till two o'clock so that she could come in and see him before he hung. Wow. And, and this was a hanging. I would have uh, elected for a firing squad or something. Hanging. I oh, thought the uh, scrambled eggs was going to have a gun at the bottom of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a Dillinger at the bottom yeah. of a stake. <laughs> I, I had a picture of the gallows. The problem was by the time I found it, I already had the PowerPoint done. I didn't have time to pop it in there. But that shit was some real uh, medieval looking shit. Like there's like crowds, you know, like that was like some stadium shit. Like a whole bunch of people is coming to watch these guys hang. I think everything that I've seen referenced like that, that's how it really Even was. in the movies, they portray yeah. it like that. Like they would do it and like say that's the town, the middle, the gallows. Uh, there's always a big crowd around, you know. But if you think about it, that was it, the even, Miami Dolphins of the time. <laughs> even in today's time, if you think about it, let's say if something like they start doing executions on Facebook Live, so many people would tune in. Or do into you it. want better? Yep. Like, say this asshole, you know, kills kids. This guy killed a cop. Whatever, how evil their story might be. Seventeen ninety nine. We're filling up Ford Field. We're gonna kill him right in the middle on the lion's helmet. Like, you know, <laughs> you, that that fucking stadium would fill up. We're assholes. Okay. Like. This is America. Yeah. And it's kind of a fucking jam. Bringing Roman gladiators back. After getting to meet with Georgia at 2, 2 p.m., they had him in the gallows. When they asked him if he had any last words, he said, I came here to die, not to give any speeches. And he was hung. Ballsy. Cool last words. Well, I think it's meta that in trying not to have cool last words, it becomes cooler last words, right? Like if he gave some cool speech, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of lame. But, you know, you, you go with some shit like that. It's a little more memorable. Yeah, you say something like, get this shit over with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, on April April 20th, 1897, Ike Rogers was shot and killed by Clarence Goldby when he got off the train at Fort Gibson, Oklahoma. 
because he stepped off the train and shot him in the neck and then shot him twice in the head. Damn. And he never did time for it or anything either. Insane. I think at least the good part of the story, right? His whole life of crime basically started because he was sticking up for his little brother that got the shit beat out of him. Yes. So at least after he got caught and hanged, at least his little brother shot the guy that caught him. <laughs> I guess. Well, yeah. we mentioned early in this cast and on a million casts, like the lineage and the DNA. What else was the little brother going to fucking grow up to be? What else could he have been? Right. He was going to kill or rob something. I'm going to kill fucking Ike Rogers, man. Absolutely. Catch my brother. Keep the tradition going. Well, and a lot of people think like that kind of- I hope he banged the niece too. Wait afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people say that that they contribute that to the theory that he was like a close friend of the family because Mm -hmm. they took it extra personal that he turned on him. Well, and and then you're still just going to go back home to Fort Gibson. Like, this is where we hang out, dude. No, fuck that. (laughs) All right. That's the story of Clarence Goldsby. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. All right, so now we got to cast him. So I have a picture. The pictures are kind of rough, um, but I have a few. Say we were to cast this movie. He was, time-wise, I guess I went through the timeline. He would have only been 20 when he died. So just to get a kind of start of his life of crime at, you know, the official run started at 18. He wow, was, that was a short run. So he was hung by the time he was 20. Like, so yeah. if you th- if you remember, as we kind of went along, it was kind of month by month by month, like June, July, you know. So a lot of these, a lot of, especially like the cowboy age guys, Billy the Kid, these guys' runs aren't long, you know, because it's just so violent. You're just out yes. there shooting it out left and right. You know, that's a tough way to go. You're literally living on the run. So, you know, it's day by day. Right. So now, if we're gonna cast, if we're gonna cast a movie right now about Cherokee Bill, who would you pl- who would you cast to play him? I have no idea. This is one of those where no one comes to mind, and it, it's mainly me thinking of his heritage. His heritage also. So, uh, you know, father being, um, uh, what was he? Half black, half white, and yeah. then mom being white, black, and and Cherokee. Um, nobody pops directly into my head. Yeah, that's why I knew going into this one, that's a that's a tough mix. And honestly, so we could show you the pictures, and the pictures aren't going to help that much. because <laughs> Well, only because these old-timey pictures I'm, are shitty anyways. I'm and thinking see, Terrence Howard. Like Terrence that, Howard? A younger, obviously. not right. He's like 50 today, but like... Well, how... So the rules on this for, for two things. We can... Uh, with the Avengers, we've seen Avengers, they'll do age reduction. So we can do that. Or, I mean, at one point, cast Chris Penn. Not just Chris Penn, like Chris Penn from the movie Best of the Best. So, I mean, it's our fucking movie. We could pick whoever we want. So we could go with younger Terrence Howard if we wanted. But you'll see when I show the pictures here, what I'm talking about, it's hard to pick up just because these pictures are old. Oh, so, it's Patrick Mahomes? So if you look at this he He does kind of look like Mahomes. He does. Well, especially if you look at... That's crazy. You see how big he is surrounded by these guys? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he towers over them. But it's also tough, like you said, to pick up ethnicity. Because you can see a lot of these guys are either natives or blacks. Like, that's a black dude. Well, the whole... Where I was going with Terrence Howard being a little bit more of, like, the yellowish skin tone, um, the fact from early in the cast that this dude was a passed as a white dude back before well, his dad father. a lot of ma- his father well but he got that skin tone so i'm picturing mm-hmm. a guy that could right. so he couldn't be like um who's somebody real dark um 
Chadwick from Black Panther. It couldn't mm-hmm. be that actor because he's mm-hmm. pure, you know. Right. It's not going to pass for the story. He's not going to pass. It's not mm-hmm. going to seem like Cherokee Bill. His dad probably didn't play a white. Chadwick's dad probably didn't play a white anything. Here's mm-hmm. so. Here's the part that I think is crazy. Is I think in this picture, I think he really looks like Vince Vaughn. The pro- the problem is Vince Vaughn's fifty, and he, you know. But like when you look at how tall he is. Now, in this picture over here, you see this guy that's got the number one on his head? Mm-hmm. That's like Rogers. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, Richard yeah. Pryor? The funny thing is, uh, uh, he going to your point of, uh, you know, him basically getting hung at 20, he looks really young on these pictures. So, um, you know, sometimes we see pictures of people and you know their age, so you know they're young, but they look a lot older. He looks really young. Yeah. He looks like a kid still. Mm-hmm. No, these pictures were the toughest. These are the only... So these pictures, you find two versions. You find, like, the originals, which are very hard to look at, especially when I put it on a PowerPoint. Or you find these ones that are so cartooned up that one is actually, like, a cover. Mm -hmm. Like, they just basically repaint that picture. Mm -hmm. So these are the only two that were kind of a good mix of restored, but not super shitty that it wouldn't look good. But that's him, and then that's him and his mom. Mm. So as usual, it's not like because it's always a guess in this segment. But yeah. like uh, as usual, like it's pretty common that we were yeah. way off on. Well, I mean, because you, <laughs> I don't know, nobody you, would ever know like no. this. Well, guy. and I knew that was like like this one going into it is a setup. Like, well, fucking who knows yeah. and shit. Because even me, like I always see the pictures as I'm doing it. You can't help but them pop right. up. But even knowing what he looked like, I had a hard time finding somebody. Yeah. Well, I, I know for me, one of the reasons why I was couldn't picture anybody is because just trying to think of you know both the mom and dad being are so being diverse mixed. Yeah. yeah and it's so you know looking at that there's so many variations that the son mm-hmm. you know the the kids can come out as and uh so i was picturing in my head but nothing really kind of like, came to the forefront especially with that you know that original native american direct lineage mix you know there there's a unique look there uh when you kind of mix that with other races and nobody popped into my head with that look he was good looking you know because where they hung out on the like the the reservation in the cherokee areas or whatever but like well i mean cowboys in general were a rough looking bunch exactly you know so i mean like billy the kid everybody loved him just being young at the point you know know what i mean just a bunch of old old fucking sun beaten fucking men and shit (laughs) leather face before the chainsaw massacre everybody's face looks like a fucking catcher's mitten (laughs) um so okay here's the guy i picked and I might get beat over this, but I got—I feel like I have a logic base behind it. So the guy that I picked, I think his name is Marcus Scribner. You guys know who he is? No. No. Okay. So he's the guy that plays Junior on the show Blackish. You ever heard of the show Blackish? I've heard of I've the heard show. Of I can't I've picture. I don't know the okay. characters. So the guy that plays Junior, he used to play when he started off, he was like a goofy little kid, but the show's been on so long that he's now hit puberty. So I got a picture of him here. Okay, I was going to Google So, he's now 20 years old, I mean, and he's 6'2", and he's mixed. So, I feel like he's got, he's tall, he's around the same age. I mean, the problem is he has to shake off, but a lot of these actors started off as playing, like, when you're a young actor and you're in that awkward stage, a lot of them Mm -hmm. play. I mean, at one point, uh, Shia LaBeouf was fucking even Stevens in holes and shit, right? And then now all of a sudden he's pulling his tooth out to play character roles. So y'all got to start somewhere. So, I'm go- so I don't necessarily see this one, but 
since I don't have a good candidate other than uh, if Mahomes is going to go ahead and uh, forfeit next season and go ahead and be in our movie, then uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and go. You with win by tall, dark, <laughs> tall, dark, and murderous. That's him. Sure. You know, I think when uh, when when we did the super killer, I felt like you cast Khabib as him. So from now on, when you're on, instead of picking actors, we're just going to say, which athlete do you think should play this guy? Like, it's not even fair to ask you actors because you don't know any well, of them. But you know what would be cool, though? Like, now that looking at your picture, like, I want to change my pick to Steph Curry. I Steph think. Curry? Yeah, Steph Curry is tall. He's tall. Fucking, yeah. To be He's fair, tall. I jumped on the bandwagon with Jay. Just to be fair. Jay called the Mahone first. But when he said it, I saw it. I said, I agree. Yeah, it definitely, definitely looked like Mahomes. He's wearing a cowboy hat for the people at home that can't see. But like uh, the Mahomes thing is like, you can't see that sideshow Bob Afro. But like, he looks like in the face through an 1890s picture. You know what I mean? Like Patrick Mahomes. Now, because you. That shit's so grainy. You could, if we could go back in time and meet that guy, he might look more like fucking Sweetface here than <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Sweet, face. sweet face. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I well, I mean, I just mean he's a pretty little modeled up guy. Like this guy, I know he's not looking like the part of the 1890s, but like this guy was all grizzled and dusty and had that leather face. This guy looks like he smells good right now. So right? If, well, if you bring him into the 2020s and clean him up. He made more. He just won the Super Bowl. Fucking. <laughs> unless unless we're casting Sam Elliott, every actor is actually just a yeah. pretty fucking. You well, know Sam I mean? Elliott is actually from this time. Like he just yeah. he don't age. He's <laughs> yeah. He's just been a. I remember that half breed. Yeah, Jason <laughs> for a few. <laughs> All right. So now, now we got to rate him on the DefCon scale. So the DefCon scale. The standard scale is five to one. Five being the lowest, one being the highest. Now it's important to note on this scale. That none of the guys are good guys. So number five is Lee Murray, your crack dealing, kidnapping, armed robber. And number one is the Purple Gang, who, you know, you got multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and they're killing cops on the street. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Cherokee Bill? Throw it out to the floor. I'll go ahead and uh, I guess I'll take this one first. Um, I don't put him high on the list. Um somewhere between a five and a four for me and this is the only reason why i say that um he had one reckless killing you know the other ones probably were pretty warranted and it doesn't sound like he just went on a complete killing spree i'm gonna stick with about a four um bad guy you know just in general i mean other than his killings i mean he he robbed a couple stagecoaches and stuff, you know? I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. totally 100% agree, because that's where I was going anyway. Mm-hmm. DEFCON 4, mm-hmm. because he's not all the way up at a 5 because he wasn't totally good. Like you said, the Ernest, when you killed the town pimp, I felt for you. But other than that, most of it was like, he was a guy, my theory is he was a good guy at heart. Mm-hmm. Like, le- lived a rough life back for, you know, the 1890s in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. what a half black man could do back then mm-hmm. but what it what he was a good guy he spent a lot of time with his family so one of the killings was sticking up for his sister one was for his little brother mm-hmm. getting beat up um not that that justifies killing but like if you have a reason is better than like the reason why you know right like you're not doing it for money you're not a sociopath you're not a psychopath you're just you know he had he did like you said had that one killing and he paid for it because that ultimately was the one that he hung for right but overall yeah. not a bad dude at all 
He liked pussy, spending time with his family. You know what I mean? He was a fairly decent kind, dude. Kind of yeah. your typical 18-year-old dude, right? Yeah, I mean, that exactly. sounds like what they mostly sound like at that age. Exactly. Even to today. So, <laughs> so in a modern situation, Crawford Goldsby might just be a frat guy, you know? <laughs> that is very true. Instead, he had to run the fucking dusty roads of Oklahoma. <laughs> what are you deaf kind of, Matt? Well, well, mine's irrelevant because we do the standard yeah, MMA I'm just saying, rules, like, so I it just... would be a majority four no matter what. <laughs> I, w- I was thinking maybe a three because I was thinking a couple of those. He killed a deputy, he killed I a guard. I just wanted to gauge, like, you don't have to explain why, like, we did in depth. I just wanted to see where you were at, like, because you, you couldn't No, I'm ready to break it down. We already, we already, we <laughs> already <laughs> <just> established <laughs> it to the one. Down. If you were to be like, no, I got him at a one, Root, and he was just a fucking asshole. Like. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm really hung up on that Ernest thing, man. I would have liked to time travel in the hot tub and like get some of that fucking good old Oklahoma Sooner pussy, and he just fucking murdered the fucking. No, show, show rules leave him at a four. I would only set a three though. I never, I wouldn't went too much higher than that. I figured I thought, you it was a unanimous yeah. rate in that area. So it's not like I was far off, but yeah, I figured you know one deputy, another guard, and then a couple innocents. I don't like that, you know. But we can go four. They're moving in. I say we go to DEFCON 4. All right. Well, that's the podcast. You guys, thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. Guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. We was down bad, my mama had to be dad Spent my birthdays in the trap, we had to work with what we had She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam, man And I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands A hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ay, ay. So out of money, grabbed a hundred hams So out of money, grabbed a bunch of bands And I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the business Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental life Still keep it on me, run into your big homie for you meet your dead homie, yeah. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. And her ass fake And she in love with the bad guy But bad bitches never act right She act up until that bag fly Did a turn around in one night Say hello to the bad guy The good guy coming last place You smell that dope when I pass by I let my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy Smell the dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace.